Food Heals Podcast, Episode 271. If you're in any state of sadness or not feeling like you're good enough for any reason, take that focus out of you and focus more on helping other people. It's a transformative way to feel so fulfilled and empowered. Not working on ourselves and not taking care of ourselves absolutely prevents us from stepping into our power and becoming the best version of ourselves, which will be even more capable of making an even bigger difference in the lives of other people, of animals, of the environment, the planet. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In rare cases, people have experienced a strong desire to put in their Lululemons and take a yoga class while drinking a green juice. If you experience any of these symptoms, text your priest immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining me. I'm Allison Melody. Today, we're tackling a topic that I know a lot of us deal with, perfectionism. And in this digital age of Instagram and influencers and how not to get stuck in the comparison trap of I'm not good enough, I'm not as beautiful as so-and-so, all of these false standards of beauty that can lead us down dangerous paths of self-destruction, self-loathing, and forgetting that we have the capacity to cultivate self-love at any time. So I've got two brand new interviews for you today with two wonderful women, the founder of Banish, Daisy Jing, and sexy fit vegan, Ella Majors, who have both learned to overcome their perfectionist tendencies and truly cultivate self-love in this digital age. But first, Food Heals Nation, purpose-driven communities are vital to success. And I just got back from a trip to Italy with some amazing female entrepreneurs. And let me just tell you, this trip really changed the way that I look at community. Getting together with a general group of friends is great, but when you get together with a like-minded group of people all coming together to brainstorm and help each other out in life, in business, there are these mental breakthroughs that happen. So much clarity is gained, and the friendships that are made are unlike any other. So this was an amazing trip to Italy where all of this happened, but to continue the community, what I'm talking about today is a mastermind. If you've ever thought about joining a mastermind community like this, now is your chance because I'm about to launch my fourth round of the Rise and Bloom Mastermind. This is an online community where wellness-based entrepreneurs support each other to rise up together to become coaches, speakers, authors, and more. The Rise and Bloom Mastermind is for you if you are starting or building a business in the wellness field. If you need guidance on branding, marketing, video production, podcasting, writing, blogging, social media, all those things, and you're ready to go to the next level. And this mastermind is for you if you are ready to crush the last half of 2019. We are less than six months away from a brand new decade. How are you going to spend those next few months of 2019? So Rise and Bloom includes one monthly coaching call with myself and others I bring on on topics like marketing, monetization, networking, sales funnels, Facebook groups, podcasting, blogging, video production, copywriting, social media, sponsorship, online courses, membership sites, events, retreats, and more. You'll also get three VIP podcasts per month on topics of health, business, spirituality, relationships, wellness, 
girl bossing, manifestation, the law of attraction, and more. You'll also get access to our private Instagram support group where we collaborate, we give feedback, we receive feedback, and we support each other's social media efforts. And it's just a beautiful, supportive community of wellness warriors that you won't meet anywhere else. So we have lots of topics that we cover, but here's a few samples that we've covered and that we will cover. How to Become a Best-Selling Amazon Author with Laura Peterson, The Healing Power of Podcasting, Writing, and Channeling Your Message with Laura Powers, How to Create Facebook Ads that Reach Your Target Audience with Zach Hesterberg, How to Become a Successful Recipe Blogger and Cookbook Author with Plant-Based on a Budget's Tony Akamoto, How to Crush Instagram and Bring Clients into Your Wellness Business with Adam Shibley, The Power of Podcasting with Entrepreneur on Fire's Kate Erickson, the most powerful tool to overcome overwhelm and design a life you love with Lisa Thomas. Those are just a few. If you're interested, you can join for free for the first one. There's no commitment, no credit cards, no BS, none of that. Just go to foodhealsnation.com, click on Rise and Bloom, and register because on July 24th, Wednesday, that is tomorrow if you're listening on Tuesday. That is today if you're listening on Wednesday. And if it's yesterday, I will send you a replay. But July 24th at 5 o'clock Pacific, 8 o'clock Eastern, we will be covering 21 content creation strategies to monetize your wellness content. So join me there. I hope to see you. And if you have any questions about Rise and Bloom, just shoot me an email at info at All right, next up, we're talking to Daisy Jing and Ella Majors on how to overcome perfectionism and cultivate self-love in the digital age. Roll it, Roxy. The Food Heals Podcast starts now. All right, first up, we've got Daisy Jing. You remember the founder of Banish. She was on episode 220, where she talked about growing up and suffering from acne and even being told to put a bag over her face. Yes, kids can be so cruel. She started a YouTube channel where she shared her struggles, and from there, she built an amazing following while she was learning how to heal her face. That's when her skincare brand, Banish, was born. So not only did Daisy figure out the formula to banish acne, but she also learned to banish that perfectionist inside of her who always needed to be perfect, and that's what she's here to talk about today. And I do love Banish products, Food Heals Nation, so check them out. I use the Banisher, which is this microneedling roller which causes microscopic damage to the skin, but don't worry, there's no pain, but it promotes the skin to heal and renew itself. And then I combine that with the Banish Oil, which is this really nice vitamin C serum, and together these two products increase collagen and put elastin back in your skin, helping to reduce fine lines, hyperpigmentation, and acne scars. And there's no downtime. It's so easy. If you want to try it out, just go to Banish.com, use the code Nation for $10 off your first order. All right, let's chat with Daisy. Welcome, Daisy. Hi, Allison. Hi, how are you? I'm great. Thank you for having me on again. Yes. So Food Heals Nation, go back and listen to episode 220 to hear Daisy's full story. But Daisy, can you just remind Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah. So my name is Daisy Jing. I am the CEO and founder of Banish. We're an all-natural skincare line focusing on removing the acne scarring so from the post-pimple acne marks. And I started this business over six years ago from my kitchen after having a YouTube channel. So I struggled with acne since the third grade all my life. 
And I was trying to figure out why I kept breaking out and why I kept getting scarring on my skin. And it turned out that I was putting on a bunch of stuff on my face that I was allergic to. A lot of skincare products have ingredients that aren't necessarily good for your skin. And so it was this nasty perpetuating cycle of me trying so many different products out there. Long story short, made my own ingredients, sourced my own products, sourced every single ingredient from different vendors all across the country, used it on my skin, and then people on my channel wanted to buy it from me. And that's where Banish started. So now today we're online, uh, international company, and uh, we really truly believe in having really good ingredients and not including all the other stuff in skincare that will cause you to break out or get your skin to be worse. Absolutely. And I loved your first interview because your story, so many people can relate to, but then you took it to the next level and were like, not only am I going to put this online and share my struggle, but I'm going to create the product, the solution for everyone who's struggling with this and take out all the harsh chemicals. So I really commend you for that. And I thank you for coming back because we talked about your journey and how you created these amazing products like that I'm obsessed with. Like the pumpkin enzyme mask is my jam. I love <laughs> it. <laughs> but I know that you've struggled a lot through this journey and you wanted to come back today and talk about it. The struggle with perfection, mental health issues that you've experienced that I know so many of us experience when we want to be perfect, when we want to be beautiful, when we want to be something that we feel that we're not. So can you take us through that journey of striving for perfection and really what did you want to come back and talk about with Food Heals Nation today? Yeah, thank you so much, Allison. So recently I did a TEDx talk and it was called a tragedy called perfection. And funny thing enough, like, I think I learned so much through this process of creating this talk because it was my whole life experience condensed to, you know, 16 minutes. And I wanted to come back and share with my learnings from it. So first and foremost, you know, I've had acne since the third grade. And there's this anxiety when you're, you know, nine years old in the third grade and something that's perfect, like your skin starts becoming littered with acne and you see everyone around you having perfect skin. You see in the media advertisements telling you, you have to have poreless, flawless, anti-aging, anti-whatever skin. Right. And so as such a young child, I was like, oh my gosh, I need to do whatever I can to get rid of this acne on my face. And this was this nasty perpetuating cycle of me, you know, striving for perfection of trying so many different products. I remember even me and my parents, you know, I grew up in Minnesota driving three hours in the snow to see a different dermatologist from a different hospital, ingesting, you know, prescription pills and antibiotics and putting all the stuff on my face. And, you know, even the stuff like the uh, benzoyl peroxide you can get at the drugstore, it bleaches your hair and your pillowcases and your towels and think about what that does to your skin right but yeah instead of letting it be and instead of letting my skin heal from the inside out I was just so determined to make my skin fit in into what society told me I should look like and I think this is a bigger problem than just my appearance right it's all of us are constantly struggling with trying to fit into the standard of perfection. 
And who determines what the standard of perfection is? Like, who tells us you got to be this way? You got to look this way? You got to feel, you know, you got to have all these things. The Kardashians. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's really like external factors, like marketing companies, right? They're the ones pushing you, telling you, hey, you got to look this way. Hey, you got to be this way. And here, you got to buy all the stuff and put all the stuff on your body and your skin and, you know, inside of you to fit this certain standard. But I realized all this time, if I had just let my skin be what it is and treated my skin with kindness by being gentle to my skin, by putting in good ingredients on my body and on my skin, instead of trying to desperately change it with all these harsh chemicals... I mean, my skin would be totally different. I wouldn't have all of that acne. I wouldn't have had gone on that journey. I wouldn't have all of the scarring. The moral is don't try to push and force yourself or your body into something that it's not. It's almost like you were driven by perfection over even curing the acne anymore. Yeah, no, it was, it's so true. It wasn't even the acne, right? It was these images of how different my life would be once I achieved this ideal of perfection that society told me I needed to be. And that's what I was driven by. And that can be a metaphor for other things in our life. Like what are we striving to achieve? What are we striving to be like? I mean, what are we really trying to fix at the end of the day? Because I mean, even now I, my skin has cleared up immensely, right? I no longer suffer with the acne that I once had, but I still have these feelings of self-worth. And the whole reason why I was so influenced by these external factors was I didn't feel worthy. And my skin was a way for me to pick at myself, for me to tear myself apart, and for me to go to the external world and try to fit in with what everyone was telling me I needed to look like. Yeah. And let's be honest, like, where does perfectionism come from? It usually comes from I'm not good enough. Therefore, I have to go into overdrive to make everything perfect. Exactly. And as a business owner, you know, when you're starting your business and you have nothing, right? You have no capital, no resources, no time. Um, I had to learn to lean into authenticity because I cannot make everything perfect, right? I don't have unlimited resources. I'm always constrained by X, Y, and Z. And so even running and growing the business, I have had to learn, Daisy, stick back to your authentic roots, stick back to why you are running this company, instead of trying to make banished into what it's not. And it's hard because I think the more successful you become, the more influenced you get, right? By external factors and wanting to fit in and wanting to be this great, amazing founder and CEO. But I always have to remind myself to remember why I started and really stick to the core mission of what banishes. Absolutely. And so here you are telling your story on YouTube, being so vulnerable and authentic. And what was that doing mentally and emotionally to you? I believe the only way to get out of our own heads is to help other people. So, you know, in the beginning, even before my YouTube channel, I was so obsessed with trying to control the way I appeared to other people, which was by trying to fix my skin, by trying to make it perfect. 
And it wasn't until I started making videos on YouTube where I focused less on how I looked and appeared and more on, you know, the content, responding back to the viewers, giving them good information. My whole life changed. And I no longer became obsessed with how I appeared. And I just felt so fulfilled in helping other people. And I really do believe that if you're in any state of sadness or not feeling like you're good enough for any reason, take that focus out of you and focus more on helping other people. And it's a transformative way to feel so fulfilled and empowered. Yeah, it's really good advice. It's like, we have a tendency, and I think it's human nature, or it's because of our societal or what's in the media, but we have a tendency to focus so much on ourselves that we can't see outside of ourselves. And really, everything that we're looking at internally about ourselves and judging about ourselves, most of the world isn't seeing. And so it's all up in our head. So when we bring ourselves out of that and Exactly. Go do something to help someone else. And our focus is on someone other than ourselves. It really puts that all into perspective and makes you go, well, what was I so worried about? You know, you got to get outside of your head. Exactly. And I tell myself, I mean, even nowadays, I wake up, I look in the mirror and I'm like, oh, do I have a blemish here? Or, oh, do I see like a wrinkle starting to form, you know, under my eyes or whatever? And I'll start nitpicking, right, all these little things. But then I tell myself, Daisy, when was the last time you walked by someone and you noticed they had acne on their skin? I can't even remember the last time. And this is what I do for a living. So I think about other people. Like, they most likely don't notice that about people, right? They might notice, like, oh, she has a great smile or, oh, she's wearing a cool outfit or what's their demeanor like. But people don't remember about those little itty-bitty things. So... I just say, get over yourself. Like Nobody cares. Nobody is thinking about that. And focus more on, you know, spreading your why, your mission and helping other people. And how was it for you to start going on camera? Because I know this is something that I've struggled with. And we're in this media age where people always want to FaceTime you, where you're always on an Instagram live or something, you know, like there's a reason for you to be on camera and be well presented all of the times. And it stresses me out. So how were you able to get over the perfectionism enough to put yourself on camera on YouTube and be like, here's what I'm struggling with. Here's what I look like. Here's how I'm going to heal it. And what was that like for you? I am so glad that one of my first videos, if you Google growing up ugly, it should pop up. That was one of my first videos. And I remember specifically that night I was just graduated from college, living in my parents' basement. You know, I had no money, no friends. My skin is at its absolute worst. And I felt so tired of trying to hide and fix my skin. So I made this video and I was in my PJs and, you know, I didn't know how to edit a video. Like it was so imperfect, but I remember starting the video with, this is my skin and churning all the sides of my face and showing first and foremost of the video, this is the way I look. And it was such a relief because it was like, okay, now everyone knows how I really look. I don't need to hide or try to be someone I'm not. And I remember publishing that video and I was absolutely terrified. I was like, what am I doing? Like after I hit <laughs> the publish button, when I started my YouTube channel, I chose the username Dazers89 
Like, who's going to remember that? Like, that's so not SEO or searchable friendly. Like, if I, I wanted to choose a username that nobody would find because I was like, this is like, oh, I don't want anyone to see this. But I remember publishing this video and then all of a sudden people sharing it and people posting it on their blogs or their Facebook and social media. I was like, oh my God, it's like, oh, it was really scary for me. But I realized in spite of the way I looked, people loved me. They loved the vulnerability, the authenticity, and that I have so much more to offer than just my appearance, right? And I think once that clicked, that I am not judged by my appearance, I'm not defined by the way I look or what I have, but I'm defined by my mission, what I have to offer people, my vulnerability, my connection, that's when everything changed. So even to this day, because I, I've already shown my like naked face to everyone, right? I've shown my skin at its absolute worst. I realize I can go out and either have like a really beautiful face, really made up, really done up, all perfect, or I can be, you know, totally the acne skin and the wrinkles and all that. But I am still loved because of who I am, not the way I look. And how did self-love play into this? How did you cultivate self-love? Self-love, you know, I could give all these tactical pieces of wisdom for self-love and say like, oh, just be confident. But I really do believe self-love comes after you focus time on helping others. If you can take a step back and stop obsessing a little bit over yourself and how, you know, again, you appear to other people and really truly help people become their best self, it'll just reflect back onto you tenfold. So by making more of these videos, by being so vulnerable and open about how I really feel and getting the hundreds of letters and comments and emails from others relating to me, that's really when I felt like, oh my gosh, I have something valuable to help other people. And people, you know, are really inspired by me. And that's when I really started becoming more confident. I really do think that is the way to become more confident, to love yourself more is simply by helping other people. I think what happens is, is that what we see in others is a reflection of who we are and what we're capable of. So very often when you're doing something to help someone, you are giving a gift and then receiving that gift, you are reflecting back like what you're actually capable of. And then you think, oh my gosh, I can do so much more, right? Definitely. Yeah. And so if someone's listening right now and they're like, you know what, I'm not ready to start a YouTube channel and share my shit online like you did, which is amazing. But like, what about just going and volunteering in their community? Like, what would you recommend someone doing if they're like, I love this concept. What should I do? Yeah, exactly. Volunteering in your community. I mean, doing something as simple as going to a homeless shelter. And I think they have like Monday night mission where you can serve food to the homeless or organizing a campaign in your local community, you know, doing a cleanup um, at your local beach or park. I mean, getting involved and just maybe it's just one afternoon a month doing something to help out the local community, I think is fantastic. But even if you don't do that, you can also focus on helping people in your immediate circle, right? Whether that might be a friend, it might be a family member, it might be someone you know through, you know, your church or your group or whatever, but just taking some time to make someone else's life a little bit better, I think can also be a really great way to get that self-love back, right? So it doesn't have to be a huge thing. You know, you don't have to organize your own charity event or whatever. You could just do tiny little acts of service here and there. Uh, And then before you realize it, 
you realize you have so much more to offer than just all of these like external things that you're worried about. Yeah, I think like we talk a lot about on this podcast how our traumas are gifts to the world because they shape who we are and then they allow us to help others who may be going through something similar, right? Which is what you do, which is what I do. And I think that that is can feel like a big responsibility on your shoulders sometimes and it can actually get overwhelming where you're like, I actually don't want to help in this way. Like, so there are some days where people want to talk to me about my nutrition and I'm exhausted and I don't want to talk about it. So it's almost like, what can you do? Just reach out to a friend, tell them you're thinking about them, tell them you love them, send someone flowers, as well as volunteering in your community. I love the beach cleanup idea. When I lived in Santa Monica, we did them once a month. Um, And now I live in West Hollywood. I haven't done one in a while. So thank you because I feel rekindled. Like I need to go and do that just because I don't live there doesn't mean I can't contribute. But it can be something so simple as reaching out to someone and saying, I'm thinking about you. I love you. And it can make their day. I've had people reach out to me In that moment, like when I recently lost um, my Charlotte, my puppy, my doggy that I had for 14 years, my friend reached out, hadn't heard from her in a couple months, and she just wrote, I felt like you needed me today. I'm thinking about you. I love you. Call me anytime. And I was like, my dog died and I'm a wreck. (laughs) She had no idea, but I hadn't told anyone because I wasn't ready to talk about it. But just hearing from her in that moment was exactly what I needed to be like, people care it's going to be okay. You know, she didn't even know it was wrong. She just was like, Hey, how are you? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's exactly what we need. And I think so much of us, we're so consumed, right? With our online profiles or, you know, just screen time. I think I read the average teen spends nine hours a day on screens. So take a little bit of that time, right? Maybe take an hour off and use that to really connect with those around you. I mean, call up a friend, like don't text them, call them, right? And see how they're doing. Um, I mean, these little things can really add up and make you feel so much better. Like I had a great phone conversation with a friend. I just called her up. I mean, she was texting and I was like, oh, I don't want to text. Let me just call you. And we talked for two hours <laughs> and I, that was like so much better than any therapy session or any, you know, like new shiny object I could buy, right? Like I just felt so great about it. So make time for that personal connection of yours and make time to help other people. Absolutely. Let's dive into social media a little bit because I know that it's not going anywhere. Let's just start there, right? The online world, the apps, they are the future. And so they can be used for good or evil. So at the same time as you, Daisy, are sitting here making videos to help people, and many, many people are helping people, people are also bombarded with images of especially us women, uh, tons of women looking a certain way. And we feel like, oh, well, we have to get that lip liner to be as beautiful as a Kardashian or whatever, or that makeup or that Botox or whatever it may be, or that I, I don't even know what people do. There's like butt implants. There's all of these things yeah, that are that's actually growing that procedure. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like it's so crazy to me, but I know that this is what we're seeing. And I'm an older generational millennial, but like the young millennials and the generation after that are seeing these images of people that even back when I was a kid, we had magazines and I didn't feel good enough. However, now a person could feel horrible about every aspect of themselves because everything is under a filter. Everything is airbrushed. Nothing is real. And so what can we do moving forward for ourselves, for our children, for the next generations to counteract this like false portrayal of what a woman's face and body should look like? Yeah, definitely. And if I 
struggle with anything. It's, you know, again, perfectionism. It's trying to fit into this mold, right, of what I see around me. And it's really interesting because my job, I mean, is social media part of it, right? It's we promote our brand through social media. But what I think is really important is sticking true to who you are on social media. And for example, on our Instagram account, Banish Acne Scars, we post pictures of people with acne. We post, you know, relatable quotes. We post relatable cartoons of what people going through acne or with their parents struggle with. And that has been really great because then our audience knows, hey, you know, you're not alone. If you're suffering the skin condition, there's others who are going through the same thing. We have never posted an aspirational picture. And I really stand by our brand by that because we don't try to sell you this image of what you'll be like if you have perfect skin. Because that's how I felt. Like when I was suffering with my appearance, I felt like everyone was trying to sell me this image of what my life would be like. And I never want to sell people that. I don't want to put our products next to like a nice beach and a yacht and, you know, like champagne and all that. Like, no, <laughs> your life is not going to be like that once you have perfect skin. Trust me. <laughs> like, oh my God. like never, so yeah, just stick to the relatable, authentic content. But also just knowing like, because... I do work in social media and this is part of my job, just knowing that these companies are hiring the most talented programmers in the entire world. And these programmers, what they do is they're trying to figure out how to manipulate the algorithm so that we spend more time on these apps, right? That's their only job. Spend more time on these apps so advertisers can pay more right, for the eyeballs. And if you think about it that way, you don't want to be manipulated, right, by these algorithms, right? It's really harmful to our mental and emotional health. So I think taking a step back and thinking about like, okay, like this is a tool, we can use it in the right way, but also knowing that like these tools are designed to make us addicted. They're designed to make us stay on our phones for hours and hours, and they're designed to make us feel not that great about ourselves, right? So knowing that and realizing it's okay to take a break from it and doing whatever it is that you need to do to preserve your mental health. I think mental health is the absolute number one thing you need to prioritize in your life, right? I think physical health is a close second, but without the mental health, you can't prioritize all the other stuff in your life. So if social media isn't making you feel good, you can just delete it. It's okay. And even for me, like I don't have Facebook on my phone. I don't have Instagram on my phone. I try to limit myself to only using it for work because otherwise I can get into this really dark hole of just spending so much time on it and comparing myself to other people. And it's crazy because if you read the statistics, between 2006 and 2016, the rate of suicide increased by, I believe it was 70%. And if you think about what happened between 2006 and 2016, it's the smartphone generation, right? The iPhone was launched, I believe, in 2006, 2007. So if you think about that, like what it's doing to everyone's mental health, it's pretty dangerous. So figuring out ways to limit your time is really good. And for me, it has to be like not having it where it's super convenient because these algorithms, they will pull you in, right? It's so hard to get out once you're on. So uh, I have to do these things like, making a really hard password, you know, for me to uh, log in and all that kind of stuff, but do what you need to do to prioritize your mental health. 
And that might be getting off social media. It might be getting rid of a toxic friend or relationship. But I think too often we don't prioritize our mental health and we will stay in a bad situation, right? Or we'll be around bad influences for the sake of the external appearance. But it's real. I mean, so crucial to take care of yourself from the inside first. I couldn't agree more. And I know that's, you know, one of the founding principles of your company and why you do this. And I think that one of the things about banishing acne, let's say, or um, working on the outside is because you're truly working from the inside out in most cases. So you have developed this product line that helps us actually get healthier on the outside, but truly we have to get healthier on the inside in order to get healthier on the outside. So talk a little bit about Banish. And I know we already did a podcast on this, but just for anyone who may be listening to your story for the first time about how that really played into your healing as well as, you know, building this beautiful brand that you've built. Definitely. So as I say, the reason why your skin is causing problems, whether it's the acne or psoriasis or whatever issues that your skin is facing, it's because your skin is this amazing organ that tells you that something is off internally. So too often, you know, especially with skincare, a lot of skincare companies emphasize the topical application. But if you're not good on the inside, if your hormones aren't balanced, if there's something fundamentally going on in your body, no matter what topical stuff you put on, it's not going to heal. So we always emphasize like, you know, skincare is 20% of the solution. The internal might be 70%. So focus on the internal first. So one of the things we really emphasize is diet and hormones. So diet, we've noticed from a lot of our customers, going vegan has helped them so much in helping their skin. doesn't mean it works for everybody, but sometimes removing dairy has really helped. Sometimes certain kind of meats or processed foods can really help. It can help better than any kind of skincare product you know you buy out there, right? So really focus on that. And it's also hormonal too. So a lot of these foods can trigger hormone imbalances or hormone fluctuations, which can then trigger, you know, your oil glands just going crazy, right? So we really want to figure out what is causing all these fluctuations in your body. And once you got the internal stuff figured out, then we can focus on your skincare. And is there something in your skincare that's causing you to be allergic, that's causing you to break out? So for me, I have very, very sensitive skin. I can't just go into a Sephora and buy skincare set. I can't do that because I will break out from it. Like mineral oil, anything petroleum derived or silicone derived, I will just start getting little like dots all over my face. So I have to be super, super careful. And you also, again, have to think your skin is your largest organ and your skin is going to soak up, you know, whatever it is you're going to put on it. So make sure you go through the ingredient list and make sure you know everything that's in there, Uh, much like the food that we eat, right? It's pretty wise to go through and know, like, what are we putting in our bodies? What are we putting on our skin? Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of, obviously, my podcast is called Food Heals, and you know that I'm a vegan. And I know for me that my skin dramatically cleared up when not only was I going vegan, but I gave up dairy. That was the thing for me. And I know that's something that clears a lot of people's skin, whether it's acne or psoriasis. So I just want to shout out to 
anyone listening who's still doing the dairy and you're having some skin problems, that's a huge one for a lot of people. It's not the only factor, but it is a huge one. And, you know, if you're giving up something that is causing that, you are actually creating a healthier environment in your body anyways, because there's a reason that that stuff is coming out on your skin, right? Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, for example, I hear dairy all the time has caused people's acne, right? And you think about these foods, they're causing a lot of inflammation in our bodies and our and our bodies are reacting very negatively to it, which is showing up on our skin. And even just recently, I've been having these chronic sinus infections and I've been trying to eliminate dairy from my diet because it's causing you know, parts of my body to be inflamed, right? And so, you know, I'm, I'm getting prescriptions for steroids and steroid creams to reduce the congestion, but I'm like, hey, let's like, <laughs> let's try other natural methods first. So it's really important that we don't discount what is showing up on our skin and really trying to understand that our bodies are so amazing that they give us these signals, right? To tell us, hey, Daisy, you need to like stop doing this thing that you're doing to me. That's, <laughs> that's not good for you. <laughs> So I know that Food Heals Nation listeners, a lot of us are already using Banish products, but can you just take us back and tell us a little bit about like the Banisher and the Banish Starter Kit? Yeah, definitely. So the Banish Kit was the first product I launched six years ago. Uh, It's based on microneedling, which six years ago wasn't that popular. Now it's very popular. We have an at-home microneedling kit. And what's so great about the Banisher 2.0, and it's our newest product, it's a patented device with 24-karat plated tiny little needles that will go into the skin, prick tiny, tiny little microchannel holes. Um, So it will force your skin to heal itself by producing more collagen and elastin. So just like, you know, when you get a paper cut, you know, you're going to get a cut, but then your skin miraculously will heal itself, right? Pretty soon. It does that in the skin. So you're just replenishing new skin. And then you combine the banisher with the banish oil. And our banish oil is a cult favorite. We make it fresh every day in Pasadena, California, because it has azorbic acid, which is a form of vitamin C. It is the most potent form of vitamin C. And the issue with manufacturing um, a vitamin C serum is that when exposed to light and air, vitamin C will degrade and oxidize and it will turn orange over time. So if you go to any kind of uh, beauty store and buy vitamin C serum, most of the time they will already color it orange because it's you know an older batch, right? But because we ship directly to the customer, we don't sell retail, we don't do wholesale, we ship it fresh to you, almost like a restaurant, like made to order kind of thing. So you really get that potent vitamin C. So after you use the banisher and you have these tiny little micro channels in your skin, you put the banished oil on top and then the vitamin C will go deep into the skin and accelerate the process of collagen, elastin fibers healing in your skin. And most people will say, you know, the day after they get this amazing glow, this like booming glow to their skin that they've never seen before. And it's really because your skin is healing itself from the inside out. Yes. And you could go 
to a med spa and get this done for hundreds and hundreds of dollars. Or you can buy the banner starter kit once and then, you know, keep buying the vitamin C, but this will last you and you can have those same radiant results, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you know, when you go to the med spas and get these facial treatments, a lot of times for the cool factor, like the vampire facials are super, you know, trendy now. I did just do one, I have to admit. No, no, I mean, they're, I mean, I've done them too. They're great. But sometimes they induce more trauma onto the skin to get that cool, that vampire wow look, right? Because I think a lot of people don't think their skin is healing unless there's like actual trauma, like all that blood right on the skin. Uh, But in actuality, you don't need to go that deep into the skin. So that's just something else to take note of. If the Banish kit works for you and if Mechanealing works for you, then definitely go try out, you know, more advanced procedures. But we can start with like the basics at home and seeing if that works for you first. I love it, Daisy. Well, where can everyone find you online, get those Banish products, all the good stuff? Yeah, you can find us online at Banish.com and you can use the coupon code FOODHEALS for $10 off your purchase. Yay. Thank you so much for that discount code. We love it. Thank you. All right. We'll see you next time. Thank you. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Daisy. Don't forget, you can get 10% off any Banish product by going to Banish.com and using the coupon code FOODHEALSNATION. Don't forget to join us for the free Rise and Blue Mastermind. That's Wednesday, July 24th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Go to FOODHEALSNATION.com, click on Rise and Bloom, and you can register right there. If you're listening to this a little late and you want the replay, hit me up at info at FOODHEALSNATION.com, and I will send it to you. And if you decide right now that you want to join the paid mastermind, hit me up again on email. But here's what people are saying about Rise and Bloom. Roll it, Roxy. Good morning. My name is Chris McPeak, and I'm the host of the Elevate Your Aid podcast. And I'm here today because I wanted to tell you a little bit about my experience with the Rise and Bloom mastermind facilitated by my good friend and mentor, Allison Melody. You may know her from the Food Heals podcast. What you don't know about Allison is that she is an incredibly amazing facilitator and she has hosted this mastermind group for us for the last six months. And the women in this group and I have experienced the most amazing transformation both personally and professionally. What I appreciate about Allison is that she tailors this mastermind group according to what we need as the time comes every month when we have our meetings. So if some of us are interested in self-publishing or if we're interested in starting a podcast, we just let her know and she digs up some amazing guest teachers and instructors to help walk us through the tips and tricks that we need to know to be successful in our business. And as I said before, this is not just about success in business, but it's success in life and personally. I have really achieved some amazing breakthroughs for myself as a result of participating in this program, of which I am now a three-time participant. I participated in the first live in-person Rise and Bloom in April of 2018. I did the five-week Rise and Bloom Mastermind in fall of 2018 and just finished the six-month group here in the first 
part of 2019. And I have every intention of re-upping and you should too. If you have a chance to join this amazing group and be a part of this amazing transformation, then do rise and bloom today, right now. Go get it. My name is Alana Halden. I'm a vegan chef, recipe developer, food photographer, and blogger. And I run a food blog called Sprouts and Krauts. Having just completed the most recent series of Alice and Melody's Rise and Bloom Mastermind, I can't speak highly enough about my experience. Of course, we learned so much practical information, and I came away from the mastermind with so many tools and strategies that I can now implement in my business. I honestly feel so much more equipped now to build my blog and brand. But even more than the practical skills that I've learned, just being part of this small group of like-minded women has been a total game changer for me. Learning and growing amongst such a wonderful group of ladies has been truly uplifting and motivating. Not only do all of the members of the Mastermind offer each other help and support, but we also check in and hold each other accountable to our goals. Being part of this Mastermind has been so instrumental in my growth over the past year, and I would highly recommend it to anyone who's considering joining. When I first started the Mastermind with Allison Melody, I had this one big goal for myself. I told myself within those six months, I needed to create a free meditation program where people opt in and they get a meditation every Monday for a year that makes them feel like a superhero. I thought that giving myself those six months to get that done would be the amount of time I needed. However, this mastermind is so powerful, I finished that goal within the first month and had to make new goals for myself. So next, I was like, well, a distant goal of mine would be to write and publish a book and to start a podcast. And I thought, you know, maybe I could have one of those goals at least get started. Well, again, Allison brings in all the right people to help you crush all of your goals because she's got these amazing connections with people who are experts in whatever it is you're trying to create. You let her know, hey, I'm working on this book. She'll bring in the person for you. And so not only did I accomplish the one goal that I'd set out to do that I thought was huge, I accomplished two other huge goals within six months, not only now having a podcast with meditations that go out a few times a week, but also having published a book that became a number one Amazon bestseller in nine categories and number two in a couple categories in multiple countries. I never thought when I signed up for this mastermind that I'd be able to say I'm an international bestseller six months later. So needless to say, I'm signing up for another six months. Let's see what other big goals I could crush. I am so grateful for this mastermind and highly recommend it for anyone who is looking for this super supportive, loving environment where you get access to a bunch of tools and resources to match your unique needs. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Allison. Email me at info at with any questions. All right. Next up, my interview with Ella.
Ella's battle with perfectionism began during her young adult years where she struggled with a poor body image, which was really rooted in a lack of love and acceptance for herself. When she looked in the mirror, all she saw were her quote unquote faults. And this drive for the perfect body led to dangerous practices of portion control, calorie restriction, and binging that led her down a dark path for a while. Luckily, through nutrition, veganism, Muay Thai boxing, and some self-love practices, she came out of her darkness and went on to live a body-positive life, and now she runs the Plant-Empowered Coaching Program, where she helps her tribe adopt a healthy vegan lifestyle. She helps you start loving the skin that you're in without counting calories, without tracking macros, without feeling restricted, without weighing yourself. So if you're interested, go to sexyfitvegan.com slash P-E-C-P, like plant empowered coaching program to learn more about the program and to get access to her transformational master class, which is free for a limited time. And you can apply for a free breakthrough session with Ella personally, Make sure to mention Food Heals for a special bonus gift. Welcome, Ella. Hi, Allie. It's so good to hear your voice. I know. It's like we were just hanging out on a boat last week, and I miss you so much. I know. I miss you. I miss our entire group. What a fantastic trip that was. It really was. And I'm still like trying to make all the food and recreate all the experiences. And, you know, I do an okay job, but it is just not the same. Like, I just need to go back and get all the things. Well, count me in. (laughs) (laughs) Well, next year we will be back. All right, Ella. So you've been on our show multiple times now, including our most recent Italy episode. But can you just remind Food Heals Nation a little bit about who you are and what you do? Of course. Yes. So I am uh, the founder of Sexy Fit Vegan. It's my brand. I founded about five years ago, and now I run this six-month plant-empowered coaching program. And I've been vegan myself for over 24 years, uh, which every time I say that, I feel like I've added another year. It's it's getting kind of ridiculous. I'm like, oh my God. But um, yes, 24 years vegan myself, and, and I've just always been passionate and about helping empower other people to align their actions with their values, to really come from a place of, of love and to create the empowered vegan life of their dreams. And so that's what I'm all about. I love that so much. And like before you got to Italy, some of the girls had already arrived and I would be telling them about you. And I would be like, you guys, she's seriously the OG. Like she's been vegan for 24 years, but also like we grew up in the same town. So here we are in Chapel Hill and Allie, me, I was so unconscious. I had no awareness of food. I had no awareness of animal activism. And while Ella was on the streets of our college town, of our well, where we grew up, there's a college town, UNC, and Ella's on the corner in a cage protesting, you know, animal cruelty, and I'm on the same corner eating my Taco Bell. <laughs> yes, well, you know, I I don't know if I was a pat like in a past life if I was a farm animal. I I don't know where I came from, but when I was seven, I connected the food on my plate with the animal that it was, and I wanted nothing to do with it. In fact, I, I pretty much knew at seven years old that my mission was to save animals and help our planet and do it by helping people go vegan. You know, it's funny. I thought that if only people knew what was going on behind the closed doors of factory farms, because especially back then, you know, 25 years ago, that information was so hidden from the public right. eye. 
And so I was like, well, everybody needs to know this. So I made it my mission. So by the time I was a teenager, I was, yes, yeah, sitting on the on the side of the road in cages, demonstrating what was going on uh, in factory farms and in laboratories. And it was my mission. So I just went for it. And it didn't even occur to me. Nothing really occurred to me except that that's what I needed to be doing. So that's what I did. And I love how you knew that mission at such a young age. And I wish that we had met back then. You could have inspired me because I didn't really get into this until my 20s. But yeah, exactly. Like you said, like once you know, you want everyone to know. And you're like, if everyone only knew, they would change. And sometimes it's true and sometimes it's not. But that's what we do. We just share with the people who want to hear what we have to share, right? Exactly. And that's you know how I've changed how I go about presenting my message. Back then, like you said, some people want to know, some people don't even want to know. And you can't force somebody to be ready to open their minds and open their hearts. So doing it the way I've been doing it now for many years of really living, living, walking the walk, talking the talk and and sharing and inspiring and just showing people what's possible is how I do it now. Well, it's a beautiful mission. And so I wanted to bring you back today because we have a theme and it's really about like overcoming perfectionism and cultivating self-love in this digital age that we live in. And I know this is a struggle that you can relate to. You had to overcome this yourself and you now help your clients overcome it with your program, which is the six-month plant-empowered coaching program. So you gave us a little bit of your story, but can you take us back and talk about how when you were building this brand, building this business, trying to make people aware, what happened? Because I know that there's a lot of perfectionism and body shame, and now we're in this digital era of Instagram that didn't exist before. How did you develop and cultivate that self-love? Wow. Well, yes, I struggled for many years. I mean, well over a decade of being really in that place of perfectionism and wanting to be perfect. And I was in the fitness industry. I started working in the fitness industry right after college. And my way back then of promoting the vegan lifestyle was to look so built and muscular and fit and lean that everyone would come up to me and say, how did you get to be like that? You know, how did you get so lean? how did you get so strong? And I'd be able to say with a lot of pride, you know, oh, I'm vegan. Let me show you how. And so it really was yeah, a way for me to promote the vegan lifestyle. However, it really also took the focus off of me in terms of my emotional health and mental health. And I had, I had had some tough years um, as a teenager and in my early 20s, some traumas that occurred. And I kind of took the focus off of loving myself and put all my energy into being perfect so that I could promote veganism because I knew that that was my mission in life. And yeah, and so I really struggled uh, behind closed doors with disordered eating, distorted body image. You know, I didn't let any of that out. I really hid it because I knew that I was, you know, making some sort of a difference by being being so fit and in shape, but I was regulating, I was restricting my food. You know, even as a vegan, you can absolutely have disordered uh, habits and patterns. And I certainly sure. did. And it always comes from a place of, of shame when we're hiding. And that's what I did for over a decade. I, I hid the fact that I saw, I looked in the mirror and what everybody else saw is this lean, strong, fit person. I would see and feel body fat on me that 
really didn't exist. You know, I look back at pictures now and I was so thin and I couldn't see it then. And I just was in this constant state of how can I look even better? How can I get rid of all the body fat? And it was very disordered and very unhealthy in so many ways. It's sad because it came from such a good place, but it really led to results that you weren't being true to yourself. So can you talk about that and how you kind of came out of it? Yeah. And I I think just want to make a point that, you know, for me, it was putting the attention on caring for animals at that point. And for a lot of people, and especially a lot of women, it's taking care of everyone else, you know? other people. For a lot of women, it's it's like, let's take the focus off of taking care of me because I'm taking care of my kids. I'm taking care of my family. I'm taking care of my parents, whatever it is that takes the focus off of loving you. And it seems very selfless. But when we really look at it, not working on ourselves and not taking care of ourselves absolutely prevents us from stepping into our power and becoming the best version of ourselves, which will be even more capable of making an even bigger difference in the lives of other people, of animals, of the environment, the planet. Preach. I'm like, (laughs) mic drop. (laughs) (laughs) This is why we're friends. (laughs) And I forgot the question that you you had asked when I just started. I forgot it too, but the answer was worth every moment of forgetting the question. So, you know, we're in this digital age of Instagram and we know like you have clients and I have listeners who, and, and look, I'm, I'm not over this myself. So please, I'm not saying I'm perfect in any way, but people are looking at people online and going, I'm not good enough. And we're in this comparison trap. How do you get over that? How do you say I am enough? I am good enough. I am perfect exactly as I am. Maybe perfect is a bad word, but I am beautiful or whatever the word is exactly as I am. How do we get into that space? Yeah. I think a good phrase to use is I am perfectly imperfect because that's right. (laughs) Because that's what we all are. I love that. Yes. You know, before it was magazines, which aren't now it's just everywhere, everywhere you look, every time you turn on the computer, every time you go to a social media, every time you turn on the news, like it's everywhere. And what's happened is that we've been programmed, you know, over our entire lives since the time we were very, very young to believe we're not good enough. So it's not just the social media now, which is just makes everything even more accessible and everybody's lives seem perfect and all the photoshopping and the apps that can make you skinnier and take your wrinkles away and do all the things so that when somebody looks at the screen and sees all these perfect, quote, perfect people and saying, I don't look like that. What's wrong with me? But this is a program that we've created. So it's not just happening now. This has been created over many, many years. And so now it's not going to change overnight either. So now it's a process of reprogramming. And we have to first acknowledge, you know, we have to observe these thoughts that we're having that I'm not good enough because we push them down so often, you know, and we hide from them. And we distract ourselves and we numb ourselves. And whether that be food or over-exercising, you know, overeating, um, taking care of other people, you know, all these things can numb and distract us from what's really going on. But what we need to do- Workaholicism. Oh, yeah. Is that a word? Workaholicism. Yeah. Work addiction. <laughs> yes. 
Is that describing anybody here on the on the call right now? It might be re- re- describing someone I don't know. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yes, it is me. Yeah. Yes, it is me. I throw myself into my work and it's a good thing and a bad thing, right? I don't do it to the extreme that I've seen actual um, work addiction ba- as bad as drug addiction. I'm not that into it, but I do have that tendency and it's goes all the way back. You can tra- I can trace it back to the need to be perfect, not feeling perfect in other ways. So throwing myself into work because here's something I know I'm good at, right? So I can be the best over here. So you don't notice that I'm not the best over here. And, you know, I work with that. I know it about myself and there is a lot of work I've done around it, but it's a, I'm a work in progress, right? I'm still working on that. There are things that sometimes we have to work on for years and years and years before we're truly free of them, before we're truly healed. And I know what mine are and I'm constantly discovering. Sometimes you uncover something. I do a lot of counseling with, you know, everyone knows my DNA healer, Lisa Thomas, um, who literally gets me to release things and acknowledge things so that I'm able to move forward. And a lot of the things that we do are kind of simple, but very powerful, like affirmation. So Ella, what do you have your clients do? What do you do on your own to really help get yourself out of that? Yes. And I think you're so spot on when you say it doesn't, it doesn't have to be complicated. It can be really simple. And affirmations are so important in terms of being able to reprogram. And affirmations are things that need to be said over and over and over again daily. And one thing that we teach in the Plant Empower Coaching Program is what we call the self-empowerment coaching system, which is basically a method, a kind of a structured method for taking a look at, at yourself, your thoughts and your emotions, and taking your power back, knowing that you have the power to change your thoughts. And how it works is that you've got a feeling, right? Usually we, some people think first, some people feel first. So if you have a feeling, there's always a thought that's triggering that feeling. So we have to get an observation mode so that we can take a step back. We call it the power of the pause. Take a step back, pause, and say, okay, I am feeling like shit about myself. Can I say that here? You know? Yes, girl. Okay. Um, <laughs> right now, what is going on? What are the thoughts? Oh, I'm looking at myself and I'm saying I'm too fat. I'm, you know, body shame is such a huge one right. for us. So, you know, I'm too fat. Look at that. I've got love handles, blah, blah, blah. You know, and then to be able to have affirmations to change those thoughts. So here's the thought I'm having now. Here's my new thought. Am I going to believe it right away? No. And this is going to take, that's what the practice is for. But to change that and start saying that affirmation and said, I am beautiful. I am perfectly imperfect. Here's what my body has done for me. How appreciative I am that I have a healthy, strong body that gets me from point A to point B and that allows me to stand up in the morning and walk. I mean, how beautiful is it that I have a body that works? Not everybody has that, you know? So to, to be able to step into an affirmation that's full of gratitude, that is full of self-love, and then to practice that, Allie, over and over and over again, which is why my program, there's so many programs out there that are, you know, six weeks is a common one. And that's how mine started out. It takes six months. It takes six months of constant practice to get to that place where you are now 
thinking in terms of loving yourself as opposed to having to take that step back and work at it every single day. Yes, I'm with you. It does take time and we can't give up. I know for me, sometimes I would be saying my affirmations or writing things down and then my internal dialogue would be like, but that's not true. And so what I learned from Lisa, who's my counselor that I mentioned earlier, is to say, this is the truth, whether I believe it or not. (laughs) So it's like, declaring, even if I don't believe it right now, like I have a, an old back injury and I've been free of it for so long and it started creeping back. And so my affirmation had to be, I am healing whether I believe it or not. My body can heal itself whether I believe it or not, because every night I was going to bed in pain and doing my exercises, my physical therapy and my Pilates that had worked before weren't working as fast as I expected them to work, right? I was like, I've been through this. I know how to heal this. It's not working. So I went into negativity because I was mad that this thing had come back. I didn't know why. I thought I had healed it, all the things. So my affirmation had to be that whatever I needed to say that day, like my back feels great. I feel wonderful. I'm free of pain, whether I believe it or not. And so that kind of gives it the permission that it needs to happen without my negativity creeping in and saying, but that's not true. Because it's true, whether I believe it or not, right? Oh, Lisa is so bright. That is so brilliant. I love (laughs) it. It's so true. It's absolutely true. You know, I do want to mention that, you know, I am not in a place where I always look in the mirror and say, I look, you know, fantastic. But what I am able to do at this point after years and years of practice is to acknowledge the feeling that comes in that says, oh, I look fat in that or whatever, that's these clothes, to acknowledge that right away, like in a second, to hear myself saying it, to flip the switch, to say something different and move forward without having to affect my mood, without having to, you know, go down the rabbit hole. Right. So what do you tell clients who might be in this position where they know they could eat a little better, they know they could lose a little weight, they know they could feel better, look better, all of the things, but you want to cultivate self-love in that moment to love themselves just as they are, but to still encourage them that, yes, you can eat better, here's how, yes, you can exercise and here's how, without turning it into a strive for perfection and doing it out of love and not out of, I'm not good enough. How do we make that transition? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And, and it's it's a process. And when people come into the program, they're usually coming into this process because they've tried it the other way so many times over the years and it doesn't work. You know, focusing on the food, focusing on the workouts, that leads to temporary results. And there's that whole yo-yo effect that happens, that roller coaster, the weight cycling that will happen for years and years. And most people that are ready to do this process are like, I got to do something different. You know, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting different results. And I'm ready to do something different. And is it scary when I say, you know what, I need your commitment coming into this, that you're not going to step on the scale for the next six months? Is that scary Mm -hmm. to most people, especially those who step on the scale every day of their lives? Yes, it's so scary. But we do not make change within our comfort zone. It has to be uncomfortable. And so, yes, we get off the scale. We turn things completely upside down. We don't even talk about food for the first few weeks. We look at where you're at. You know, we 
kind of do evaluations of where I'm at, where am I feeling stuck? We don't focus on the past, but we acknowledge it. And then we gain these tools for moving forward and cultivating love. Because when we love and accept and respect ourselves just as we are, that's the prerequisite for making permanent and sustainable changes in our lives. And that's what a transformation really is all about. Oh my God, Ella, your words of wisdom are giving me chills (laughs) over here. (laughs) But I love what you said. And um, it reminds me of two quotes that I kind of say to myself when I am in discomfort. And the first one is, change happens outside of your comfort zone, which you just said. And the second one I say to myself is, change happens when the pain happens. So it came to me the first time I was listening to a podcast when I was finishing my first ever half marathon, which is 13 miles, which is the longest I had ever run. So I was in mile 13. I was walking, listening to the podcast, and literally they're like, change happens when the pain happens. And I was like, fucking run, dude. What are you doing walking this last mile? So I ran the last mile. I'm in so much pain. My calves hurt. My whole body hurts. My blood is like pulsing through my veins. you know. And now it's like, I'll be in, I take my reformer Pilates classes that I'm obsessed with and it'll be like, okay, you're planking or you're um, holding yourself in a position for a certain amount of time and I'm about to die. And I'm like, well, it's time to let go. And I'm just like, okay, hold it one more second. Can you hold it one more second? Can you hold it one more second? Because I know that the real change happens when I get outside of my comfort zone, I hold it a little longer. Because if I do the same thing I did yesterday, then no change is going to happen. And I'm not teaching myself, my body, my mind, my spirit that I can do more, that I can go further, right? Because it's not just about training my abs. It's about training my mind. That's what yoga is. That's what Pilates does. That's what exercise is truly about is pushing you outside of your comfort zone. And then it actually has repercussions into your life, right? Oh, a thousand percent. I love that. And the other part of this formula that's very uncomfortable to a lot of people is being vulnerable and being able to share. And that's the piece I believe that's missing when people try to do this on their own and, you know, go reading self-help books or listening to podcasts only and doing and then but sticking to themselves it doesn't work. We have to get out there and it doesn't have to be telling it to the world like I did my story when I I remember publishing my blog post series on my struggles in my life which I hadn't done ever before. I remember pushing the, you know, button being like, okay, and now it's out there and it doesn't have to be telling it to the world, but it needs to be talking about it and talking about it outside yourself to someone you trust. And, and that's what we've created within the plant empower coaching program as well is because I handpick every client. We just have this incredible group of women that are sharing and loving on one another and supporting one another. And the unconditional love that surrounds everyone in this in this group is just remarkable. It, it is just phenomenal. I feel like I want to cry just imagining all the ladies and thinking about like our retreat and how there was such a sisterhood and we just all supported each other and we allowed ourselves, you know, retreats like this, we are so active and we're so vulnerable. Like, I remember, you know, one of the women just breaking down into tears, walking up the steps because the physical journey had taken her to an emotional journey. And I remember for myself being on the boat and just looking into the distance and having a moment of, oh my God, look at where I am. Look how far I've come. And being like wanting to cry about that, but not because I was sad, because I was like, proud, but also sad that I couldn't share it with the people I've lost. And like, we were just so supportive of one another when these things came up and all of the people in your coaching programs, you know, they're all having moments. We're all having moments all of the time. And if we allow ourselves to feel 
that helps with our body too, because if we store the emotions and we push them down, which I've done before, that only leads to, you know, dis-ease, discomfort, dis-ease. That's absolutely right. And when people come into this process, it really is about putting the old patterns, you know, acknowledging them, putting them aside and, and getting out of your comfort zone, like we've just been talking about. And sharing is huge. And we so demonstrated that on the trip. It was, it was such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And, you know, not that I like seeing people crying and breaking down, but that's what allows them to build back up even stronger. Right. And this wasn't the type of retreat where we sit around and we go, okay, tell us your problems. (laughs) We're going to help you. Or we didn't sit around and meditate all day. It wasn't that retreat at all, but we did challenge ourselves, you know, physically and mentally because it was, let's face it, it was long days. Um, It was hot. We were very physically active, whether we were hiking the path of the gods or walking up the steps to the town. We were challenging ourselves in many ways. A lot of people were traveling for the first time. Um, A lot of people had not, you know, didn't know anyone on the trip. I was lucky because I knew about half the people. I think I knew almost everyone. And so for me, I was lucky, but a lot of people came into it not knowing anyone and they put their best foot forward. They put their self out there and we all supported each other. And it was just a beautiful community. So even if you can't come on a trip or go on a retreat, you can have a supportive community like Ella's program or, you know, you have your Facebook group. So there are many ways that you can find your tribe and find your community so that you have a safe space to express your emotions. Because, you know, another example is a retreat I was at. And I hope that one day she publishes this because she talked about writing it in a blog post, but she hasn't yet. So I won't name her. But she said, you know, she was doing months of cardio and didn't lose a pound, like went from doing no workouts to intense cardio, not with a trainer, just on her own, didn't lose any weight, felt better, but was like, why am I not losing any weight? Then went to start seeing a counselor and made herself like have one hour to do her own grieving process, which basically meant crying for an hour every day. And she lost all this weight because it was all emotional. So there was nothing diet and exercise could do because it was all emotional. Oh, it's absolutely true. And the power of uh, what we call releasing excess body fat, because for most people, it's not that you don't know what to do. It's that the the lack of self-love and the shame is causing us to hold on and self-sabotage really when it comes down to it and hold on to that extra weight. And it absolutely is mental and emotional for so many people. And we see it time and time again in the program of people coming in and not changing a whole lot about their routine and yet still able to release the extra body fat based on the emotional and mental work they're doing. Yeah. So I would just say Food Heals Nation, if you're embarking on this journey and you know, we're talking about overcoming perfectionism. We're talking about not getting in the comparison trap in the digital age. And if you're really ready to make a change with your food, with your body, you know, start with the emotions. What are you holding on to emotionally? Work on that. Then start adding in the food changes, the exercise changes, and go slow and give yourself permission to just take it easy and stop with the judgment. Because I think the biggest thing that holds us back is we go, well, diet starts tomorrow, then we do good day one. Then day two, we fall off the wagon and we're like, well, this doesn't work. You know, I'm a failure. I'm going to go back to eating my cheeseburgers and cheesecake. And then that leads to being miserable about oneself and having body shame. And, you know, it's like this endless cycle self-perpetuating. 
And so it's like, be gentle, be like, okay, day two, (laughs) I ate that burger, I ate the whatever cheesecake, but I hope you enjoyed it. So it's just like, enjoy it, embrace it, and then move on and start day one. Is it day one or one day? You know, is it just another day or is it day one starts today? And you can have as many day ones as you want to keep starting because every time you do something, your body is going to thank you. Oh, you are so good, Allison. I am. So are you. (laughs) This is why we buy. Yes. And, and what do we always like to say? And we say this all the time in the program is approach yourself with curiosity and compassion instead of judgment. Approach yourself with curiosity and compassion. Give yourself the grace that you give other people to make mistakes and to get to a place where there is no more wagon to fall off of. We don't need to be on a wagon. And that's what what we do when we do these um, quick fixes and try to focus on the food and the exercise. We get on wagons. We don't need to be on one. If you do it the way we're talking about and do it from self place of self-love, there's simply no more wagons to fall off of. Another mic drop. <laughs> Ella Majors, everyone. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much, Ella, for being here. I really appreciate it. And can you tell Food Heals Nation where to find you online, how to join your program, all that good stuff? Absolutely. Everything's Sexy Fit Vegan. So sexyfitvegan.com, you'll have links to, to everything from my free masterclass. I give a lot of free trainings, a free tribe on Facebook called the Empowered Vegan Life Tribe. You can access everything from my website, sexyfitvegan.com. Amazing. Well, thank you, Ella. I always appreciate you and I can't wait to see you again, hopefully in Florida or LA soon. Yes, I am planning a trip to LA very soon. I can't wait. Woo woo. So we'll go live from the studio when you come. Yes. Thank you, Allison. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet a Kardashian immediately.